Hi, this is Charles Maxwood, and I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I stay current? There's a lot to this question, and I'm working on a solution, code badges. That's right, you heard me right. Basically, the idea is, is that you come and do a code badge, and that gets you an introduction to a topic. Then you can decide if you want to pursue it further. But while working on the badge, you gain enough proficiency to be able to pick it up again if you need. A lot of technology comes through on the bleeding edge, and not all of it sticks, but the principles do. So doing badges on the technologies that will get you ahead will provide you with experience needed to stay competitive. Plus, it offers social proof that you know something about the topic. The project is on Kickstarter right now. You can support it and get on the launch list at codebadge.org. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Ray Krantz. Ray, do you want to say hi? Hey, everybody. Um, do you want to just give us a brief introduction as far as like where you're at these days, what, what you're doing, where you're working, that kind of stuff? Yeah, for sure. I work at a company called Tallwave. It's located in Phoenix, Arizona. I am located in Akron, Ohio. So the remote life is awesome. And I also like being able to fly to Phoenix when it's snowing here. <laughs> so yeah, and I do I do primarily Angular work there on a small dev team. And yeah, it's fun. <laughs> That's all awesome. I got. <laughs> well, I, uh, I interviewed Tina from Tallwave last week, so... Yeah, she is great. She's really, really great. She is one of the six reasons <laughs> I say that I have an awesome team at Tallwave. It's a really fantastic work environment. So yeah, so I, I did mention uh, that I talked to Tina last week and her episode is going to go live on my JavaScript story. Sweet. Um, and this one is uh, my Angular story is, is what we scheduled it. So uh, mm -hmm. we're going to dive a little bit more into Angular, I guess, than into JavaScript. But yeah, it's it's definitely interesting just to see where people come from and that we all have so much in common. I'm, I, I'd love to just dive in. How did you get into coding? Yeah, I started with a Coursera class on Python, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, four or five years ago by now. And then just sort of hung out on the fringes, so to speak, for a while. But then I moved to Akron and joined the Akron Women in Tech group here. And a year... I think it was just a year after that, maybe two, I forget. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, but I, I got involved with that group and started actually investing. I used like free code camp and things like that. Then from people that I had met by attending that meetup as well, I got connected with a local company in Akron that was looking for a QA person at the time. So I uh, was able to get that position, moved from there <laughs> into DevOps. And then the next logical progression, of course, is Angular development. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really did. I did enjoy the DevOps role at that company, which is called a VHD. I enjoyed it a lot. But um, this role with Tallwave just sort of came about actually by Twitter. And I... <laughs> yeah, it that was sounds awesome. Yeah, it was the most random thing. So this, I, I randomly followed, I still don't remember how or why I followed this guy. I think someone retweeted him and I looked at his timeline and he worked in tech and he sometimes said funny jokes. And I was like, I'll follow that guy. And then it was a couple months after that where I, I guess like liked one of his tweets and he DMs me and he goes, oh, hey, I saw you liked one of my tweets. And I also saw you have some Angular stuff on your GitHub. You want to apply for a job at my company? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and everything, it was, it's, everything was, looked great from the outside and I joined up and everything has been pretty true, true to that. So yeah. How long has that here. been? Uh, since December of last year. So nine, 10 months coming up on a year. Awesome. 
Yeah. I, I'm a little curious. I mean, why Angular? Why not Vue or React, which... Uh, I, I talk to more and more people and those sound sexier, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Angular part was because I had started a side project with a couple of friends and um, they actually had the strong opinion about Angular. And their reasoning was that Angular handled a lot of security things, like, mm-hmm. I guess, automatically that you then, you know, didn't have to worry about so much. And at the time, I knew absolutely nothing about either Angular or React. So I said, oh, sure. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and I jumped into it. And since then, I am, I'm pretty solidly on the Angular side. I, I've seen React. I guess it's cool. <laughs> People like it. Um, but I do like that Angular has like made the, I guess, best practices decisions for you, so to speak. Like when you need to make an HTTP call, you don't have to go look at, you know, a handful of different packages and decide which one to use. It's already there. And you can keep moving forward. Um, so I do like that kind of built-in aspect that Angular has. Yeah. And it's a pretty common thing that I found. People tend to, at least when they're getting started, go with technologies that they know they can get help with. Right? They know other people that are doing it. And then they find a reason to love it. Yeah. And so, so what you're saying, you know, it squares up with a lot of other folks. Um, I'm curious, you know, anybody that, that we have heard of or had on the shows that, that got you into Angular or just you know, regular devs out there doing the good work? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really have a network actually at the time. And it's funny, those those two people who wanted to use Angular, they, neither of them were developers. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, awesome. They, yeah. So they knew about it, I guess, from like others, other coworkers of theirs. And so then I just started learning it. I started with the docs. That Heroes tutorial, that's really great. It's yeah, really the great. Yeah, Heroes. Yeah. And even going back, like a couple of my coworkers have started to learn Angular as well now. And they've asked questions that came up as they were going through that tour of heroes. Uh-huh. And, and, and now with my like experience looking back, I realized, oh, wow. Yeah, it was really good. Like it's already covering, you know, these pieces that are really necessary to, to kind of understand how everything works. Um, so that was mainly it that, you know, some Angular in depth, that blog, a lot of, I guess, Stack Overflow. Oh, you know what I used early on? Is it ngdocs.io? Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah, that was really good early on as well. Yeah, that's run by Joe Eames and Alyssa Nichol, who are regulars on the Angular Adventures in Angular podcast. I think that's where I heard of it, actually. Yeah. So that podcast (laughs) or this podcast also was very helpful, too. Yeah. Very cool. Mm. So you get into Angular. I'm really curious. Especially with finding a job over a tweet. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, it sounds like you were pretty new. They they found you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, and I've been talking to a lot of people lately because I'm writing a book. I'm all over the place. I've uh, been writing a book about how to find a job as a software developer. And a lot of the people who are really struggling with this are new. Mm-hmm. So once he reached out and said, hey, do you want to apply? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what did you do? What did you have in place that you could use to actually show them that you were capable of doing the job? The interview process that I went through for this position was, I think, very atypical. Mm-hmm. We It was a lot of conversation about technical things, but you know, not whiteboarding, not algorithm tests. So that's really what it was based on. And I had a few things on my GitHub, nothing like super 
fancy, but it was really, it really came down to just talking about the work that I had done and, you know, my thought process and how I came about it. So I really appreciated that. First of all, that it was an interview that was realistic, (laughs) I guess. And yeah. So as, as far as I can go back though, for, I guess, maybe more traditionally tough, (laughs) tougher interview. My interview for my first job, I did have to do a kata for that, which a kata is like, it's basically an algorithm test, but it's like a, yeah, a a programming kind of algorithm challenge. And so I sat down and I was terrified for that. And I'll tell you, even before going into that, it was, it was one of the, the more simple ones that they give to, you know, more entry-level people. Uh, What was it? The FizzBuzz. So going in, like I knew, I was like, I know there's going to be a kata in this interview. I know it's going to be one of these two, the FizzBuzz or the other, um, the Fibonacci one. So I like ran through it many times like beforehand Mm -hmm. going in. And even then I was like terrified, you know, couldn't think straight. When you sit down with someone and you're programming something, it's just (laughs) terrifying. But I would say the, the good part and then the saving grace of it as is if you feel like you're frozen just talk out loud what you're thinking. And if they're a good interviewer, that's what they're looking for anyway, is that thought process and how you come to the solution rather than if you just have quote unquote, the right answer. So that, that was really helpful. And then knowing people in the company was really helpful. Honest, you can't get around that, right? Like you got to know people. I don't think I've ever, I mean, this Twitter job is the closest thing I've ever come to getting a job without knowing someone. And even then it was still a network effect. Yeah, that and that's the focus of the book is in, in I mean, I haven't explicitly called it out, but uh, I'm going to go back and and re, redo part of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's the real push, right? Is that it's easier to find a job if you can have somebody go and introduce you rather than mm-hmm. you know, and and the last handful of jobs that I got as software developer and several of the contracts I had when I was freelancing all came through people I knew. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier to make that happen and so my book is focused on that effect, right? Of creating those opportunities through the people you know. So, yeah, definitely. So, uh, so what are you working on now? I, um, in my day job, <laughs> I'm doing the the front end for like a financial management application. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say about that. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 pretty. It's pretty interesting. I've learned it's been really good for getting my RxJS knowledge cemented and and getting that yeah, getting that set. In my free time, it is very hard as I'm sure many people listening are familiar with mm-hmm. to like, you know, push through one one thing. But the latest thing that I have picked up that I'm really enjoying is actually a Rust programming language book which has nothing to do with Angular, but... <laughs> Rust is fascinating. Um, yeah, it is so cool. So I, it's, a, it's the No Starch Press book that's literally just called the Rust Programming Language. Uh-huh. And that has been really... Yeah, their like, garbage collection stuff and their ownership stuff, like how they handle concurrency. It's all really, really interesting. And I do miss... I, you know, I mentioned I, I did work in a DevOps position for a short time there, and I do miss that side of it. So I'm hopeful that... As you know, I've talked with um, my director at Tallwave, Scott, the guy who found me on Twitter, <laughs> um, a few times as well. Like, I do enjoy Angular, but I, 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 and I'm sorry if this is a bad thing to say on an Angular podcast, but I don't want to just do like front end. You know, I want to do the the whole scope of stuff. So, um, and he's been really great about about that. Like talking to a couple other project managers. We're a consultancy, so we get mm-hmm. 
right. different different projects in. Um, so he's been talking to other project managers about letting me start to slowly, you know, observe and, and get involved maybe with some other projects that are coming in. So that's been really cool to see that happen. And then I've tried to look at React, <laughs> but I, I can't make my, like, you know, it, it's one of those things where like they both do the same thing, right? So if right. you're good at one, I mean, the only, the only reason to like learn React is so that I you know, if I wanted to like get a React job and, you know, right. because I can do all the same stuff with what I already know. So it's hard well, to find the motivation there. Yeah, it's interesting. I've talked to a number of people about staying current. That seems to be the the two things that people bring to my attention anyway is mm. I'm stuck on my job search or I want to stay current. And when they want to stay current, yeah, a lot of times it boils down to either I want to learn the technologies I want to learn. So it seems mm-hmm. like rest, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's it's job mobility. And so yeah. I want to stay current on technology so that if my current situation changes, right, you know, I get a new boss or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they adopt some new technology around here or um, I see some opportunity out there that I just want to go after, then, you know, then I can move on it. So, yeah, anyway, it's kind of interesting. And it, it really drove me to start thinking about developer freedom and what that looks like. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I won't. This is about you, not me. So <laughs> I was say, that <laughs> I'll, I'll me talk about that question. somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Um, yeah, I have wanted to look at Vue though. I mean, along those lines, I, you know, I'll, I don't know anything about Vue aside from what was it? The guy who made it came from the Angular team, right? And then mm-hmm. wanted to make it better, like Angular JS, I guess, at the yep. time. And then, like, I heard someone, I think, actually, on this Angular podcast, someone say that Vue was his his vision of what Angular. He wanted Angular 2 Plus to be. <laughs> right. So I, I have, I am curious about looking at that and kind of just playing with the differences there. Yeah, so. that makes sense. And it's it's definitely been interesting to dig into it. That's the, th- that's the technology I've been playing with lately. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that and Elixir. Yeah, that looks cool too. There's too much to learn. <laughs> 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 oh, there's so many interesting things out there. Yeah. I did a talk recently on, um, well, I guess this year I've, I've given it a few times, just comparing a bunch of different programming languages. And it was really hard because you had to, you know, it was kind of looking at the, the quirks and the interesting things about different different languages. And it was really, really hard to to limit myself to a number of languages that could conceivably fit within a 40-minute talk slot. Because, yeah, they Where all have their quirks. At? So we can link out to that. Oh, sure. I um, spoke at CodeMash, which is a conference in Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, Sandusky, Ohio, and then a, a meetup in Grand Rapids, I think called Grand Rapids Software Craftsmanship, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I recently, oh yeah, and then I spoke at Self Conference in Detroit, which unfortunately they, they didn't do recordings. And that was the like version of the talk that I think I liked the best, but you know, that's how life goes. <laughs> and then I also spoke at um, Full Stack Fest in Barcelona, which I have to give a shout out to them. That was like the most perfectly run conference I have been to, like just the attention to detail they had, you know, in terms of even, you know, the the podium, you know, poster board that was decorating on the stage. And then the they had food. They had so much food, which is always great. So much oh, yeah. food. And the, the way they did lunch was really cool. Like they would just, they were in the middle of Barcelona, right? So they would, they had like 10 different restaurants you could choose from and they provided like lunch tickets. So mm-hmm. you would just take a lunch ticket from, you, you know, 
you could pick a restaurant, take a lunch ticket and then go get lunch. And that was, I think, a really creative solution for that. Anyway, and then even like there was a someone emailed about like a code of conduct, you know, violation. And it was addressed like immediately by the MC after the next talk, like <laughs> on mm-hmm. point, you know, so it was just everything was you know, they picked speakers up from the airport. It was it was really, really great. So if people are interested in talking, definitely. Actually, I mean, all the all the conferences, self-conference was really great too. highly recommend applying to any of them. Code mm-hmm. Mash has really great swag. And, you know, you're at a water park. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. the one that I keep hearing about at a water park is that conference. Yeah. <laughs> That, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll encourage people to go uh, look up your talks. Sweet. Um, and then it also sounds like you were involved in some of the community organizations out there in Akron. Yeah. I, I was involved with Akron Women in Tech for the first several years. And that was really great. We did workshops and, you know, your typical meetups. And like one thing we did that I really liked... We did it once and then haven't repeated it yet, but it was a like coding retreat type thing. And we just rented out like a community space and we had some food and it was just a time like on a Saturday for people to come and spend eight hours working on whatever project they wanted to. And then we had a yoga break, I think like early afternoon or something. So that was really nice. It was an actual productive day. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Which can be hard to come by sometimes. And then, yeah, I'm also helping organize a Django Girls event in October, on October 6th, 6th. So if you're in the Cleveland area, I think we've closed applications, but we still should have the wait list open. So you can check that out if you or someone you know wants to learn how to code. It'll be a fun time. Does Angular have an equivalent to that? Like a, a Django Girls or a Ruby Bridge? Yeah, or anything NG like Girls. That? NG Girls. Oh, okay. Oh, neat. I have to look at that. Yeah, we've, uh, we've done some episodes on it as well, so... Cool. I think it's just ng-girls.org. It might be ng-girls.org. I'll have to figure it out. Yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you have any other advice for people who are trying to get into tech? Gosh. Do it before you have kids. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have kids, I'm sorry. That's really, really hard. Like, I had a kid a couple years ago, and it, it... it definitely severely limited my ability or my even desire to go to meetups because, you know, your energy is at an all-time low for for a few months at least. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just – it's it's different. You definitely – so, yeah, if you, if you don't have kids, like, use your Netflix time <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, study – study well while you can. And if you do, I mean, you just, you have to get really good about small chunks of time. Like if I can get through like a chapter a day of that rust book, that's, that's Uh fantastic. That's great. Or, you know, 20 minutes here and there of, of figuring out like um, a singular concept or something. Um, I do actually work through lunches quite a lot because I like, like I have a set amount of daycare time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I, I try to make use of that right. To, to be able to spend that, like doing the things that I do enjoy, but it's hard to sit at a computer. I my my kid will literally walk over to me on my computer and pull me away or try to sit on my lap. Like it's a, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a little bit of a battle. So there are challenges and, you know, we all, we all face those. And so I really appreciate, I know there's, there's been more of a push lately, especially for conferences and stuff to have things like childcare. And that is really, really important. Like even with, in the days leading up to, to self-conference, I was, had like, was like almost making myself sick from, from worry because 
I think so two or three weeks before self-conference, I'd been at Pi Ohio. Mm-hmm. And that was just for a day and a half. Like I left Saturday morning, I came back Sunday evening. And my kid for the he's young, he's not even two yet. And so while I was gone, he was just like he was a little bit of a wreck. He had, you know, he wasn't he right. would recover and he could function, but he had some temper tantrums and stuff. And so so I was just, I was really worried because then I was going to be gone for three days and I thought, oh, it'd be great if I could just bring him, that would help. And it it worked out pretty well because I think the Pi Ohio was like good practice. And then when I left again, we were very intentional about like, hey, mama's going bye-bye. <laughs> right. Say it in, in two-year-old terms. And then he was fine. And then, so after the first like few hours of being at self-comp, I was not at all stressed about that anymore. So that was really great to be able to lose that stress. But there is, I mean... And then obviously childcare in general is expensive, but that was, was Pi Con was in Cleveland this year. They were awesome. They had like $50 a day childcare. And if you couldn't afford that, you could, you know, ask for assistance as well, I believe. Um, but that was awesome because one of the days was on a Friday and mm-hmm. I was able to take advantage of that, that childcare piece. So that was really nice as well. So, I, yeah. I hear about childcare and I'm always going, I have zero desire to take my kids to a conference. <laughs> yeah. Zero. It's definitely not a desire. Like it is really great to be at a conference without a kid. That is for sure. But sometimes it's like, yeah, I get that. It's it's harder. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I I have five kids. So, oh, wow. Yeah. They'll um, keep you busy. Yeah, definitely. But my oldest is 12. So, yeah. If I took him to a conference, it'd be a little bit different. My three year old, that would just be no fun. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, because then you can't do the like after right. parties and stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The after parties really aren't my scene anyway, but still, it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we do it is, uh, you know, I travel a lot more than my wife and mm-hmm. she's a trooper and she takes care of the kids, you know, because she stays at home anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I make it a point to send her on a trip to visit her best friend in South Carolina or whatever periodically. So, ah, nice. And then I do, and then I take the kids, and so I don't get anything done, even though I'm home. Right. Yeah. So that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. That, that that's really exciting, though. That yeah, people are at least paying attention to. Hey, there are people in different circumstances. We want them here, and mm-hmm. let's see what we can do to make sure that it works out for them. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really oh. encouraging. Yep. So, uh, I guess the last thing I'm going to ask before we do picks is. Anything you're looking forward to in the future? I mean, you're, you're diving into Rust. Do you think that's a direction your career is going to go? Or is it just an interesting thing? And, uh, uh, yeah, where do you hope you wind up? That is a really fantastic question. I, I, broad strokes, I want to move into the software architect role. Mm-hmm. I'm naturally a big picture person. And I, I, the puzzle aspect of programming was one of the draws to it, right? You know, getting the pieces to fit together and making things work (laughs) together. So I I like the idea of having that um, larger kind of scope, the larger view over things. In terms of the specific languages, I... Those I, I I sort of just I take as they come, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Rust, it would be awesome if if Rust was something that I used later on down the line in the next couple of years or something. Angular is fun. But it's it's funny. I mean, honestly, like <laughs> I I know I was 
thrown some shade at React a little bit earlier, but I don't have anything against it. Like if I had right. a job that used it, I would learn it and I'm sure I would enjoy it. Like it's fine. These are all different tools that we can use. So in terms of technologies, I'll definitely keep pushing with Angular. I do want to get like really good, you know, that in-depth knowledge in a few areas. So Angular is one of those, probably Rust and or, you know, Python for another one. And then, you know, everything else just as it comes. Yeah, that makes sense. And we have shows on Angular, React, and Vue. So oh, cool. if, if people are looking to learn any of those technologies, we, we, we got you covered, folks. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I, I kind of echo what you're saying a little bit. You know, since I do shows on all three frameworks, people ask me which one I prefer. And it's like, well, I'm having a lot of fun with Vue right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Angular does a great job. And yeah, it just depends on what you want. And so... Yeah. You know, if you're if you're looking to do mobile, for example, React Native is pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. if you're going to do React Native, maybe it makes sense to do React on your front end, but maybe not. So yeah, you know, it, it there there are a lot of things to think about, and a lot of reasons to go with the different ones. But yeah, definitely, definitely something to just kind of think about and go play with them all. Yeah, Pokemon style. There we go. <laughs> nice. Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do.co slash jabber. So uh, do you have some picks for us? Do you have things you want to shout out about? Yeah, definitely. One of them was going to be that Rust book. So definitely check that out if you're interested in back-end type languages. Something I found or I heard about recently... Oh, let me first give a shout out to the Women in Tech chat slack <laughs> um, which you can find at witchat.github.io it um that is where i found out about the next two things that i'm going to give shout outs to it's a really awesome like international community for women in technology so the first one is it's chelsea troy it's this person's blog and they have a section called leveling up let me pull it mm-hmm. up so i can yeah so it 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 looks really neat. I just found this, I think, last week or was, you know, heard about it in the wit chat last week. And it she she takes this approach of like approaching leveling up in your programming skills, kind of like a video game type mentality, right? As leveling up might imply. So I really like the strategy she has there in terms of how to learn effectively and to learn well, because how to learn is just as hard as the actual learning. So that's really neat. And then the other one is um, Medium, the the Medium site. They have a tool called Snowflake, and it's how they assess levels. And it's really neat. If you go to snowflake.medium.com, they have this interactive, like, level assessment for their engineer positions. So if you say, oh, you know, I'm a one in mobile skills, but, you know, a a four in servers and a three in foundations or whatever, and, and you set levels, then it'll, 
it, it does all the computations for you and, and puts it out. So we're actually going to start using that at Tollwave. Um, and I'm really excited for that because our at Tollwave, our job descriptions are pretty good in terms of like what it says is the skill that you do need. Mm-hmm. But it, you still need a way to measure that, right? Of someone right. to be able to assess when people are ready to move up and stuff like that. So we just, I, I showed this to the team last week and then uh, my director, Scott, like, you know, pulled it down and was working on it over um, the last couple of days and we're starting to kind of fine tune it to use it for, for our team. Yeah. It's always, so I'm really excited about that. It's, it's very useful. And I also do have to give a shout out. If you're in the Cleveland area, there's also a Cleveland tech Slack. Check that out. It's pretty good. Those are the two I hang out at most of the time. <laughs> I know nice. everyone's on Slack overload, but it's, I, I, Mostly focus on those two. And then, yeah. And then I'm really, I mean, I'm very, very grateful to have a spouse who like is supportive and doesn't view childcare as babysitting. Cause I know that's a, a thing <laughs> that sometimes people, people will say about when they have to watch their kid, but you know, he's just so supportive with when I have to, or decide to, I don't have to, right. I decide to apply to these conferences like, Oh, I'm going to go to Spain for a week. Is that cool? And he's really awesome with it. And, you know, encouraging when I'm stressing out about, you know, leaving him home alone. Cause that's, that's half of it too. It's like the guilt of leaving one parent alone with a kid because they're just, <laughs> I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have help, right? I'll have my 11-year-old and my 12-year-old help with my 3-year-old. But yeah. if you're not in that position, and for a while I wasn't, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I just I just left you home with like four kids under the age of eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have to give another shout out to my team real quick. Speaking of kids, because this is something that like came up recently. We were talking about our interview process and kind of talking about, you know, the questions we ask and what are we trying to learn from them. And a couple of us brought up that the, oh, what are your hobbies question sounds really innocent. But for my part, especially like when I was asked that question, I froze because I thought, wait, I can't reveal that I have a kid in this interview because that'll probably make me look bad, right? Because bias and mm-hmm. all that. And so that's where most like at the time he was what like nine months old I'm like that's that's my free time I don't I don't have hobbies right now and so it was really stressful and I ended up I froze for a minute and then I was like uh hiking and stuff (laughs) and it was really awkward and someone else pointed out too they're like yeah look you know if you like doing this thing that I hate that's gonna make me want to hire you less which is not fair because that doesn't you know pertain to whether or not you'd be a good teammate or, you know, good at the job. It just pertains to if we have like similar interests or not. So we scratched that um, question from our interview process. And I was really proud about that. So that, that was, that was really encouraging to kind of also be supported by the rest of my team too. Of Like, Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Most companies aren't self-aware enough to actually evaluate how they do the interviews. In fact, most companies that I've talked to, they don't even talk about it. Right. Mm. So they're they're the people they're talking to, they just show up and the whoever's doing the interview just asks whatever questions come to mind. And mm-hmm. so uh, I really I really love the idea of actually knowing this is what we want and this is how we're gonna find it out. Like yeah. this, this is we're gonna find out what we want. Right, because um, that's the point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the bias question is really tricky just because it's so subjective. Some people mm. have a heavy bias and some people don't. And so, but yeah, you know, just, just to be thinking about it, just to be aware, you know what, I'm human and I'm going to make some decisions that probably aren't the best ones. Right. 
Yeah. And that's the thing. And like, we all have bias and it's about accepting that like, oh, I might have some bias. <laughs> like if you acknowledge yeah. it, it has less power. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks. So one pick I have, I recently updated my uh, computer to Mac OS Mojave. Of course, by the time this comes out, I think it's going to actually be, I, I'm on the beta version because uh, we're, we're a couple of weeks out from it actually being released. But uh, anyway, it's, we actually had a, a little tech episode <laughs> right when we started this show because of that, I think. But anyway, it's been working really well. I've been really happy with it. I ran into an issue with Mac OS High Sierra. I have a docking station that I spent like two or three hundred dollars on to, you know, so I can run like three or four monitors, which is funny because when I code, I only really use like two and one's for my code and one's for my web browser. But anyway, I wanted to be able to run the monitors. And so something in High Sierra killed the display link driver. And so that's why I upgraded. But I've been I've been pretty happy with it. I am going through a couple of things to get homebrew working and Visual Studio Code cannot find Git at the moment. But uh, like if I do a which Git in my terminal, it finds it just fine. So I'm trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. But it looks like other people have had this problem and fixed it. So... It is probably a five-minute fix. But yeah, beyond that, it's working really, really well. And my docking station works now. So I can I can run all my monitors without having to plug into all of the USB-C ports on the side. So Nice. And, yeah. So I'm going to shout out about that. Another one that I'm going to shout out about, and this is another thing I've used for a while, is ScreenFlow. So ScreenFlow 8 is out, and it came with a whole bunch of new features that I never knew I wanted, and now I don't know if I can live without. So, you know, you can set up templates for projects and things like that, which is a big deal for me because I'm I'm getting into doing, like, YouTube videos, and I would like to have, like, the lower third in a standard way and not have to add it in every time. Before, I'd what I'd have to do is I'd have to open up another project, copy it out of there, and then paste it into the other one. Hmm. Well, no, then, what, sorry, what is ScreenFlow? I'm not familiar with that so one. So ScreenFlow is a program on the Mac that records your screen. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> and it it does uh, it has a whole editing suite and stuff in it. If if you're not willing to drop, I think it's hundred bucks, hundred thirty bucks for the license. I've had ScreenFlow forever, so I just pay the upgrade fee when it comes back around. Which is why I'm not sure on the actual price for a new license. But I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> it lets you do the bottom bar with the yeah yeah. So anyway, if if you if you're going to do recordings on the cheap, you can use uh, QuickTime, which comes on your Mac. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, what I use. <laughs> then, then you have to edit it with something else. And ScreenFlow just gives you a lot of options and you can kind of fine-tune what you're doing. So that, that's why I use it. I've used it for a long, long time. Back when I actually had a screencast series. So anyway, cool. pretty happy with that. But yeah, ScreenFlow 8 is awesome. All right, well, one, one last question for you. Do you have a blog or GitHub or Twitter or other places where people can find you online? Yeah, my website is rachelkrantz.com, which I should update before this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and then my Twitter is Rust Belt Ray, and that is because I'm currently in the Rust Belt. Moved here a few years ago. Love it. People are nice. What else? My GitHub is Krantzinator, but that's, I don't put, I need to put more up on there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, mostly those and the two slacks I mentioned, I'm in those places very often. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, it was good to talk and exciting to kind of get your story and hear where you're focusing these days. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up and we will be back next week. 
bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.